Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. Deuteronomy chapter 18. Sorry, Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy 8.1. Deuteronomy, the eighth chapter in the first verse. Be careful to obey all the commands that I'm giving you today. Then what happens if you do? Then you will live and multiply. I'm going to say live and multiply. If life feels like everything's running out and there's like a hole in your cup where the bathtub came unplugged and no matter how much water you get to run, it just keeps draining out then something's amiss with your obedience to God's Word because the Bible says obedience to the commands of God cause life and multiplication. When you hear people criticize this type of message, they say that's that health and wealth gospel. Yes, because obedience to the gospel doesn't produce death and poverty. It produces life and multiplication. You don't read about wealthy nations receiving the gospel of Jesus Christ and then becoming third world nations. But you do hear about nations receiving the gospel of Jesus Christ that were third world and becoming first world nations. Some of you are old enough to remember Dr. David Young Cho, the great pastor from South Korea, that when he began pastoring, South Korea had less than 1% Christians in the population. And he, he began that church. And they ended up with 2 million members in that church. And South Korea during that time went to 13th. They were ranked dead last. They stopped keeping track at like 170, 172. Then they just group all the bottom nations. They're just poor. They were in that group, and then they were 13th. I remember watching on CNBC one time. They said, we don't understand why all the jobs, we're trying to figure out why all the jobs and steel contracts are going to South Korea. Because the world sees everything from a, natural perspective but things are run by spiritual laws and the bible says when you line yourself up with the commands of the bible then you will live and multiply say this out loud life and increase belong to me in 2023 then you will enter and occupy the land say the righteous shall possess the land So then part of this multiplication in life causes righteous people to move into a space. Real Christians, when they move into a community, they take that community over. They buy the shops. They have the top businesses because there's an anointing on Christians to occupy the land. Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character. And to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people don't live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. For all these 40 years, you're... I don't want to blow by that verse. We live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, which is contained in this book. So you order your life. That's what the Bible says. You don't go by food. I know church is important, but I have to work. People order their life on stupid things. And they don't understand. 
And it's not really most people's fault because they're taught in church almost like God will take care of you going to heaven. But then when it comes down here, you get in the house and everything that you need, good luck. You're on your own. God's not concerned about those things. But the Bible says that if you order your life by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, rather than running after blessings, blessings run after you. How many of you can testify to that today? I see uh, Larry, uh, Mr. Larry here. Already has his envelope in his hand to give. I could speak Mandarin for the rest of the time. And he's, he brought an offering. Uh, uh, over 70 yet? Yeah. Does he strike you as a stupid, unwise? You know, these preachers take advantage of these people. Let me tell you something. You might be able to take advantage of people for a few months, but somebody that's been serving the Lord for 40 years, giving, is not going to continue to do that. I'm going to play you a video, Lord willing, and it's an Al Jazeera special on the Redeemed Christian Church of God. So it's Middle Eastern media profiling the Redeemed Christian Church of God. And they said, they lure the people to the event with the promise of miracles. And when they interviewed Pastor Adeboye, he said, if the people hadn't received their miracles by now, they would have stopped coming. I might be able to go to a church as an evangelist and take a big offering, but when they have me come back in 18 months, people would say, I, no, you did that the first time, and all I did was lose money and have a worse financial year. You're not tricking me again. Or they could be mad and wait. How come when I come back to a church after 18 months, all the people that gave in the offering aren't waiting in the parking lot for me with brass knuckles. You tricked us. How come they come back with bigger seed? Because they see that these commands are not given to help God. They're not even given to help the church. This is a strange church because everything we had existed before anybody attended the church. The building came by faith before there were any people that attended the church. The things we have were in existence before the church started. When the Lord spoke to me about starting this church, he said, now listen, I want you to do this, this, and this. If you can really get those people to give, then I can make it happen. He never talked about you. Just told me the steps to take, and the provision doesn't come from the people. The provision comes from heaven. That's why the Bible here is talking about manna. And, th and that's another mistake churches make. They tell people, you know, what we do as this church we couldn't do it without you or without your giving, we wouldn't be able to make this happen. When the truth is, if God ordains it, who raised the money to bake the manna in the desert? Who secured the food contract to have enough food to feed 1.3 million people every morning? Nobody. God did it from heaven. So just like the Bible says, and this is like the last thing you should say if, if you're receiving an offering. You say, I thought you were supposed to be talking me into giving. The truth is, if no one gave to the Revival Today evangelistic wing, to the Re Revival Today church, watch me on Daystar every week and count how many times you hear me say, we really need your support. Without your giving, we won't be able to stay on the air. The Lord opened the door to go on the air. So you say, well, then why do people give? The giving... What does the Bible say? If no one will praise God, then God won't receive any praise. No. If no one will praise God, then what will happen? The rocks will cry out. God is not dependent upon people to provide for his children. That's the story of manna. God is able to provide all things that pertain to life and godliness from his open windows of heaven. 
So giving is not so God can accomplish what he wants done on the earth. Giving is so that the people of God can literally bypass the wicked economic system that no matter what you do, you can't get ahead. And instead access the open windows of heaven. And see if I won't pour out a blessing that's so great you won't have room enough to take it all in. Then you'll live and multiply. Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. For all these 40 years, your clothes didn't wear out. There was nowhere to buy clothes. So God actually supernaturally laundered their clothes. That cloud of moisture that they traveled in to protect them from heat did something to their clothes to never make them wear out. God wasn't leading around 1.3 million smelly Jewish people. He kept them fresh. He kept their clothes fresh. Can you say amen? And so Moses isn't writing this in Deuteronomy and saying, now that happened one time. Now he's telling you about the God that you serve. You serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the same way he took care of them, you can have an expectation of your faith that he's going to take care of you and your family this year. If you believe it, can you say a loud amen? amen? Well, here's this word again. What's the key? So obey the commands of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you. God's giving you a picture of where you're going. When you obey God's commands, you don't go backwards, you go forwards. I said when you obey God's commands, you don't go backwards, you go forward. No one ever obeys God at a loss. I grew up around people like that in church. We served the Lord for 40 years on the mission field. We don't have any, any money. I don't believe you. You're either lying or you didn't serve the Lord. And a lot of times when you heard them, they weren't serving the Lord. We served the Church of God Missions Department. Well, I wouldn't serve them if I was you. I would serve the Lord through them. Because if you start thinking about you know, human limitation, then you're going to talk lack. When I started out in evangelism, I, uh, a year or two in, I was 22 years old, I think. This is B.A., before dollars. And there were four, um, there was an evangelist and a pastor that I was preaching for, and they said, we want to take you out to eat. They were all around my age, or a little older. Third, they were in their 30s. I was in my early 20s. So they went around, we went out to Starbucks, and there were four of them and one of me. And they said, so you, do you pastor or you just travel and preach? I said, no, I'm, I'm an evangelist, just travel and preach. And uh, they said, oh, we used to be evangelists. And one guy started, man, I remember I went to this one church. They gave, they gave me nothing, put me in this lousy hotel. Second guy goes, they gave me less of an offering at this place I went. They didn't even put me in a hotel. I had to sleep in my car. And then by the fourth one, they were all trying to one-up each other's bad story. And then they swung it to me and said, well, you, you're just starting. You must have some bad stories. And I felt the Lord preach a sermon to me in a split second and said, do you hear them all complaining? Notice how they all said they used to be in the ministry. If you would like to join them, then talk like them. Talk about how hard it is to serve me. Because it irritates God. When, <laughs> if we keep reading, they start complaining in the wilderness. God sent vipers. If God still did that today, some churches would just be horror shows. Snakes everywhere. He said, tell them about how, how good I've been. And so very kindly, I said, well, no, I don't, I don't really remember any bad stories. I said, but I will tell you. And actually, the church I was preaching at right then 
had done, I, I, this is like pre-apps, 2003. So you just got an address where you were staying, punched it in on MapQuest, and drove. And so I, I arrive at the hotel that the church said that they put me up at. I was always staying at Super 8s and Motel 6. And I pull up to this Weston in New Jersey that has like Bellman and stuff. I'd never had that in my life. I get out to unload my vehicle, and the guy says, excuse me, Mr. Shuttlesworth. Mr. Shuttlesworth. The only time I'd ever been called Mr. Shuttlesworth is if it was followed by, we're going to have to ask you to leave. <laughs> Mr. Shuttlesworth, we'll get those bags for you. And I walk into this huge New Jersey Weston with a ballroom, and I'm thinking, something, something's not right. And so they, they had my reservation, and I go up to my room. They had a suite for me, and I thought, uh, I know what happened. They think they meant to book my Uncle Ted, and they got the wrong Shuttlesworth. They did like a search and got my number. And you're laughing. That's exactly, I thought there's no way these people would have, this is like what you do for like TV preachers. I, 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 I had an unregistered car. It's embarrassing to have your car packed by the valet man. It's illegal for him to drive it. Hey, park my car and just look out for the police. So I thought, when I, when I go there tomorrow, they're going to be the most disappointed. I'm going to walk in, and they're going to go, oh, we meant to book your uncle. And back then, my Uncle Ted weighed 350 pounds. So I was thinking, I'm going to have to tell him, no, I'm, I'm, I'm Ted. I, I've been battling a disease lately. And uh, I got there, and they meant to book me. And I said, what's with the hotel? I said, that's the nicest place anybody's ever put me. They said, when we were going to book you, they said, we don't ever put speakers in a hotel that nice. But when we were praying for the meeting, we actually felt the Lord speak to us to put you in the nicest hotel that we had. So our youth group did a fundraiser, a car wash, to raise the money just to put, I never heard of that. Everybody say this, you get what you speak. Life's hard. Life will be hard for you, no matter how many people pray for you. Because your life will never rise above your own confession, regardless of how many people pray. But we're not those kind of people here that God has to send snakes to bite. In this church, we lift our hands and say it is a good thing to serve the Lord. God is taking me to a wealthy place, a land flowing with milk and honey, because His Word says so. So obey the commands of the Lord your God by walking in His ways and fearing Him. For the Lord your God's bringing you into a good land. Say, the Lord my God is bringing me into a good land. No matter how rough 2021, 2022, maybe your whole life, 40 years have been rough. Your earliest memories, you had no father, an abusive father, and life's been hard. That's, you know, that's actually why God had to plow this into their spirits. Because they had been slaves in Egypt their whole life. And God had to keep telling them, listen, I know it was hard back there. But I broke you out of that. And I didn't break you out of that so you could have it hard somewhere else. I not only took you out of Egypt, I'm taking you into a good land that's flowing with milk and honey. And I came to tell you in Pittsburgh, God didn't just break you out of sin to break you out of sin. He's got a plan to take you forward into a good land flowing with milk and honey. Go ahead if you receive it. Take 15 good seconds. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Deuteronomy 8, 17. 
Actually, 11. But that's the time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty you don't forget your God and disobey his commands, regulations, and decrees that I'm giving you today. For when you have become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, and when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, that's the time to be careful. I've told you a million times, probably once every other Sunday I mention it. My, my wife and I like going on vacation in Arizona. There's a nice mall in Scottsdale, and I, uh, I, was, by, I was in the Nordstrom. And I bumped into this, this guy who's a famous preacher. And I had just preached a conference with him overseas. That was the first time I ever met him. And then a few months later, we're both in the shoe section. I said, I thought you lived in whatever state. He said, no, my, my wife and I like it here uh, for vacation. And uh, we've actually, now he's, still, he's not retired and he wasn't old. He said, we actually have been coming here two or three weeks a month and have my son pastor the church and then we'll come up for one Sunday. After you've become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, don't go to sleep. Not you. I'm not saying going to go to sleep in church. People, people, there's very few people that God can bless and they'll keep running hard to go to the next level. Guy built one of the greatest churches in the country. Then he got some money, got a second home in Arizona, and he's at church one or two Sundays a month and has his son taking it. Well, there's a few months after that. His son's ha- find out his son's having trouble morally or something. And then they have to leave their house in Arizona and come back and retake the church full time. Because that's not God's plan. God's happy to bless you. But what would happen? What would happen to you if you had a $7 million year this year? I had a $15.2 million year in this ministry last year, up from seven. So what happens is there's extra money. So what do you do? Is your life going to turn into a big vacation? Sundays is really the only day. I'm in meetings six days a week, you know, for business, and then Sunday's the day. That I can, it's like really our only day as a family, so that's what we like to go to the lake or the mountain, wherever your spot is. And you start making a, you start turning into the guy, let's pull down our barns and build bigger barns, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die, and you lose sight of eternity. That's why I preached that message for Two hours last week. Too long. But it was in my heart. You lose sight of eternity and realize that God's blessing you, A, because he loves you, but B, there's a purpose. He's looking for someone. I was listening to Dr. Youngie Cho preach in the 90s on YouTube. He said we hit 100,000 members and had to build a new church. 100,000 members. Like, you know, this looks pretty good. 100,000 members. Nobody else in South Korea has a church of over 300 people, 400 people at that time. And the Lord says, believe me to receive a quarter million members. We receive a quarter million members. He said, then the Lord says, while I'm praying and fasting one year, I'm going to entrust you with half a million members in this country. And he hits it. And then he said, when we hit half a million, I basically made plans to retire. I told my wife, we had never had a vacation. I said, I'm planning a vacation to Japan for me and you to take our first vacation. 
And he said, when I went home, the Lord said, cancel the vacation. Because you've been faithful, I'm going to entrust you with a million members. I'm not preaching against vacations. I take them. Took one before this fast. Hit all my favorite restaurants and then came back to die with you folks for 21 days. For me, December 25th to December 31st was like I was going to the electric chair. That's the time to be careful. Everybody say, be careful. What would happen to you if as God poured out his wealth? Because I'm telling you what's going to happen. I'm telling you what's already happening at this church. I'd like to know what the record is for giving for a church in its first 12 months because we would have to be near the top in Christian history. I know how things work. I've been around ministry my whole life. I thought our evangelistic ministry would carry the church. We'd have to get it, you know, up off the ground, and the thing exploded, and it exploded in, in the giving, everything. So I'm not having to talk 800 people into giving. This is a church full of hardworking, giving people. But I'm telling you two things. A, God is taking you. I was thinking uh, when, when the year COVID hit, 2020, we had taken in $3 million in our ministry. I thought I was Bill Gates and, and Mark Zuckerberg wrapped into one without the Antichrist spirit. We were thanking God. We thought we were killing it. Then during COVID, it goes to $5 million. Then the year after COVID, during, all during lockdowns, then it goes to $7 million. And $7 million, I, I thought, this is, you know, there's no way you can go higher than this. Then we double it this year out of nowhere. So I'm telling you, where you are now, thank God for it. But it's only the beginning of where he's taking you because God never runs out. You're never going to take 21 days to pray and fast and say, I don't know what you're doing this for. I've, done, I've basically exhausted all my plans for you eight years ago. No. If you won't, listen now, if you won't quit on your covenant with God, God will never quit increasing your life. And so the Bible says, as he's doing that, that's the time to be careful. With the most money in the bank, personally and in the ministry, by far, that we've ever had. I preached more last year on the road than I did in 2021 with no church. Not counting church meetings here. I did more meetings outside of Pittsburgh than I did when I had no church. So what's the secret? Not only make sure that you don't start slipping away and becoming indifferent, Make up your mind that you're going to be like your father Abraham. Father, the more you bless me, the harder I'm going to run after you. And the Lord's going to look down from heaven at hundreds of people in Pittsburgh and say, Who are these people? I haven't seen Americans like this in a long time. The more I bless them, the more they're in the house of, the, of God, the more they're praying, the more they're fasting, the more they're winning souls, the more they're building churches. That's the people that I'm talking to today at Revival Today Church. God's taking you to a good land flowing with milk and honey. And when you get in that land, you're not going to grow lukewarm the fire will never go out in jesus name go ahead and take your envelopes revivaltoday.com if you're giving online thank you for your online giving thank you online members revivaltoday.com and you click give now if you're making out a check revival today 
And then if you're mailing it, Revival Today, P.O. Box 7, Prosperity, Pennsylvania, 15329. We don't live anywhere near Prosperity, Pennsylvania, but I just like the name. And I like when critics write in and say, well, we don't believe in prosperity. We can just write back and say, then where'd you mail the letter to? P.O. Box 7, Prosperity, Pennsylvania, 15329. Revivaltoday.com, click Give Now. That has everything on it. I'll give you a minute to do that. Thank you for your generosity. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. And somebody message from West Texas. My wife and I were watching and felt to sow a $10,000 seed. Who feels to do that? We've been watching Jimmy Kimmel and think, it's like sending him $10,000. Nothing we were talking about was on giving or fundraising, nothing. The Holy Ghost does it. And then you watch those same people, if they stay on track, they become $25,000 givers. Let me tell you one thing as you're getting your offering ready. One of our first four partners was a couple in central Pennsylvania that were living together, completely, oh, not even close to Christian. And they came, I don't even, I'd like to know why they came to church. I, I'm going to talk to you. Missy, if you're watching, let me know why you came to hear me at that church that day. Church of 30 some people. And she got shook up. Her and her living boyfriend. They're good guys. He worked for, for Pennsylvania Department of Transportation. Hard working people, but they, you know, Godless people. And uh, they came back Sunday night, seated on either side of the auditorium. They won't even they got so convicted about living together they wouldn't sit together. So then they heard me preach and they said, uh, we want to get married this week. So they go tell the pastor of that church, and I'm saying this for a reason, it's not to bash the pastor, but he said, Well, at church, you know, we have a policy that if you're gonna get married. There's, there's three months of marriage counseling, and you have to wait six months. So I called the pastor, and, I said, and he said, you have, to, you have to move apart until then. I said, Pastor, that's a great policy for 18 and 19 and 20 and 21-year-olds. These people are in their early 50s. They've been living together for many years. They don't need to hear about how some people like to squeeze the toothpaste tube and others roll it from the bottom, and we have to make compromises in our marriage. Secondly, who can afford? You're going you're gonna to tell them they can't live together so they're, they're going to pay two apartments? They're struggling. They're, they're, even if you're not struggling. Most people just can't have it dropped on them. Listen, you need to get a second home today. See, that's where, and, and if you go to this church, you know how big we are on the commands of God and sin and holiness. But that's where religion comes in, where Jesus said they put a yoke on people and a burden that, that they're unable to bear. Because those two people are just going to leave the church and say, we tried and they, you, you can't do it. I said, get them married. Marry them this week. They want to get married. Marry them. They're in their 50s. You have to talk to them about compatibility. And so they did. They got married. And then they partnered. They were our fourth partner or third partner at Dawson I ever had. They partnered at the end of the month, at the end of that week of revival meetings, for $20 a month. And then I saw it go to $100 a month. Then I saw it go to 200 a month. And they rode in. First thing that happened was they had oil heat in that part of Pennsylvania, in central Pennsylvania. They said, when we made the decision to partner with your ministry, 
We did it at the exclusion of filling our tank with oil because we felt to do it. We just thought, well, we'll just wear more hooded sweatshirts. No big deal. And they said we went home and our oil tank was filled. And they said that had happened before where the oil company made a mistake and they came and got it back. So we called them and said our oil tank's full, but we haven't paid for any or ordered any. They said we have no record of anybody coming out there. And so the oil's yours. And they said when they, when they did that, they realized that they had not been bamboozled by a thin Polish man from Pittsburgh. That God, God filled their tank. What you make happen for others, God makes happen for you. And he got an offer from a private paving company and transportation company to hire him away from PennDOT. And he took the job. It was more money. PennDOT wanted him back. So they offered him, after he took that job, more money than they were paying to come back, which he did. This all happened in about seven or eight months. And then when they took him back, the other company did it again and gave him an executive position. So he went from sign holder, stop and slow, yellow vest, to office job. Then the next thing I know on Facebook, they're living in the trailer in the infield of NASCAR events. He's making, he went from making 30 or 40,000 a year to 120,000 a year. And they're rednecking it up. Wearing the nicest cut-off sleeve shirts you've ever seen in your life. Enjoying the blessing of God. Can you say amen? Say God's taken me somewhere. If you put him first, he gives you the desires of your heart. They couldn't even afford the NASCAR tickets to the event they wanted to go or transportation. And they end up with the best seats in the infield where you live there. It's like, like if you like NASCAR, that's the dream. I had an MMA fighter get saved and baptized in the Holy Ghost under my ministry. He found me on YouTube and liked listening to, uh, to it while he trained. I'm a different kind of preacher. Put on Jonathan. i got to punch this guy in the face. I want to get in the mood. <laughs> After I listen to you preach, I feel like choking people. So he invited me to his next fight. Me and my nephew, Jay. And Jay loves MMA. I like watching it. Jay knows everything about it. And the next thing you know, as he's serving the Lord, we're ringside sitting with the families. Hoist Gracie was there, who's a Brazilian Pentecostal now, shook hands and met with him. I'm taking you to a land. Not only did I set you free from slavery in Egypt, I'm taking you to a land that's flowing with milk and honey. You say, I don't care about MMA. I don't care about NASCAR. Yeah, but the thing you do care about, God will make it happen for you. All he wants is honor. And brother, when you honor him with your tithe and offering and give him that money, the money you could never buy things, he'll make it happen for free in Jesus' name. Mr. Evangelist Killa Okoy, come and give everybody a 30-second greeting and shout real quick so they can hear you. All the way from Maui, Hawaii. Just walked in. Hallelujah! Wow, it's great to be here in the house of the Lord. We just came straight from Maui, Hawaii. And I just was, you know, excited to be at this place. And it's great to see the Lord moving here in Pittsburgh. But I'm telling you, the best is yet to come. A greater shaking of the mighty power of God is about to shake America. The devil will get the last laugh. The Lord and us will get the last laugh. Love you all. God bless. You can barely tell he's Hawaiian. 
You can be seated. Thank you, musicians. Title of today's message is Unveiling Operation 500, Examining the Seven Supernatural Blessings of Soul Winning. And I wanted to lay this out during prayer and fasting to set the course for this year. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Then Jesus commanded them. Everyone say commanded. Not suggested, commanded. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. That means they'll go to hell for eternity. They'll burn in hell for eternity. That's what condemned means. These miraculous signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out devils. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. They'll handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it will not harm them. When the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. And the disciples went everywhere and prayed. No. Went everywhere and worshiped. No. The disciples went everywhere and preached. That word preach is what I'm doing right now. It's forceful, vocal declaration about Jesus Christ and God and his word. How many of you know our lives may be the only Bible anyone ever reads? Well, if it, if it is, it's because you didn't follow what Jesus said to do. Preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. Amen. No. If you like that, uh, you, you, we're not, you're not going to be a fit here. You're going to be like somebody that loves Italian food at Olive Garden. You're going to be disappointed. As the corporate executives of Olive Garden watching right now go, cancel him from the charitable giving consideration. That, that duct tape over the mouth, religious spirit that thinks there's some kind of, I mean, no, they, they won't care about, when we finish our ministries, it's not what we say they'll remember, it's how we live. Uh, that sounds like somebody that's not a very good preacher. I remember I was impacted by specific messages by Billy Graham. I was impacted by specific messages by T.L. Osborne. Kenneth Hagin's three-part series on the authority of the believer impacted me greatly. Freedom from all the curse of the law by Kenneth Hagin impacted me. The price of God's miracle working power by A.A. Allen impacted me. The preaching, they went everywhere and told people about Jesus. They didn't silently live. Philip didn't do a human video to convert the Ethiopian eunuch. The Bible says there was a, now listen to this. This is Philip who's doing public evangelism, but then as he's walking, he sees an Ethiopian eunuch and sees him reading out of the book of Isaiah, and the Lord spoke to him to fix himself or adjoin himself to his chariot. So he comes in. Understandest thou what thou readest? That's called talking. He didn't, live, he didn't live a quiet, grace-filled life in the Ethiopian eunuch. He went to work. Do you understand what you're reading? No. Is this author Isaiah talking about himself or someone that's to come? Acts chapter 8. And Philip began with this same scripture and used many others to show him that indeed Christ was the Messiah. When he finished, the eunuch said, There's some water. What's preventing me from being baptized? And Philip took him out of the chariot and baptized him and then was caught up to another place. The early church... And there is no early church and later church. There's just the church. So it's not like that church was different than ours. If we don't do what they do, America will rot. 
It'll rot from the inside out. China won't have to take it over. Russia won't have to attack it. America, the Bible says part of the curse is if you will not serve the Lord your God, Deuteronomy 28, if you will not serve the Lord your God with cheerfulness, with joy and gladness of heart, then another nation will come and rule over you. Look at England. In London, do you know what the most popular boy's name was? Like I'm talking in hospitals, when they chart new babies' names, do you know what the number one boy's name was of sons born last year? You'll guess it. What is it? Muhammad. The country that sent the gospel around the world. Now empty churches surrounded by five mosques within one mile of the church. If, you turn, if a nation turns its back on God, it's over. And you can see part of the theme for this year, the righteous shall possess the land, is America's on that line right now. That either the church is going to back up and evil will move in, or the church, and that's the direction we're choosing. We're going to get filled with the fire of the Holy Ghost and advance the gospel. And the same power that overthrew the Roman Empire will overthrow every wicked plan of the devil for the United States of America. And I'm telling you, to, today, I give up on this. T today's a prophetic sign. Why are there people here from more states than there aren't here? The day will come where we'll have church on Sunday and there'll be a representative of every state, including North Dakota where no one lives anymore. Montreal, Hawaii, not close to Pittsburgh. You don't get on 70 East and go on, or 70 West and go to Hawaii. I didn't know he was coming. All these people, it's a sign. There's a power coming forth from this church that's going to shake America. The devil will not write the last chapter of United States history. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ will write that chapter. Say, I'm a part of a great army. This is not a cult. I didn't say we're going to be the only ones that do it, but we are going to treat it like we're the only ones because you don't, if you wait for other people to do it, you get disappointed a lot in life. You just treat it like you're the only one. If I don't do it, it's not going to get done. Like many of you are in your own homes with cleaning the house. If you wait for others to help, you're going to be on hoarders. You've had to treat it. If I don't do it, it's not going to get done. And that's how we're going to treat the Great Commission at this church. But you know, how many of you were here Monday when Dr. Rodney Howard Brown was here? That's who I'm ordained under. We have a board of directors at this church. We meet in, in February. It's full of pastors and, and, and great men of God with reputable churches. Top business people that have been with us a long time that are godly men. And uh, this is not us doing our own thing or some split off. That's why it's growing. Dr. Rodney Howard Brown, who I'm under, they had 4,500 people, I think, on Christmas morning. And 1,507 people received Jesus Christ for the first time at the altar. Now, if you were at Steel City Fest, the first night we had 860-some people saved. So double that crowd on a Sunday morning church service. That's, that's the company we run with. Can you say amen? So there's the command. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Why can't you Christians keep your religion to yourself? It's against our religion to keep our religion to ourselves. We are to instructed to tell people that the same way Jesus changed our life and broke us free and, and, and is blessing us. 
Who, who receives that light and puts it under a bushel? No, you put that light up high where it gives light to everyone. That's the verse that was the motivation to go on television. That verse, I was looking at a TV tower driving on the highway back in 2013. And the Lord said, that's the highest place you can put the light of my gospel where it will reach the most people. And that's what we've been busy doing. How many saw uh, Pastor Dallas on Daystar this week? You know, they, you know Rodney Howard Brown's going to be their guest on Thursday? And they invited me back to join them. So me and Pastor Rodney will be live. Nobody in their right mind puts me and Pastor Rodney on live on television, but we're going to be live. He said, we only have 58 minutes, bro. He said, that's not enough time for me and you. I said, you be Johnny Carson, I'll be Ed McMahon. You do the talking, I'll laugh a couple times. Amen. Take your Bible and turn to Acts chapter 2. Um, I didn't mean to throw my scarf at you. I thought you were my nephew. Yeah, okay. I just didn't want to think I was mistreating you. Okay. First time visitor, I'm throwing my clothes at him. Like we're at a shady place off the interstate. Acts chapter 2. What happened after they got baptized in the Holy Ghost? Verse 37. Peter's words pierced their heart, and they said unto him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? What would an American preacher say, say if a crowd of sinners said, What should we do? Oh, you know, you don't have to do anything. God is not mad at you. He's madly in love with you, bro. There's nothing you can do to have him like you anymore. There's nothing you can do to make him like you any less. No. Peter said, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. A lot of preaching, if you're not careful, if you listen to it, it'll take all motivation for winning souls away from you because there's no reason for anybody to get saved. How many know there's nothing you can do to make God love you anymore? There's nothing you can do to make him love you any less. Okay, then why does anyone need to hear the gospel? I'm still trying to figure out when I listen to many people in America preach what you have to do to go to hell. I mean, no, he already died for all our sins, past, present, and future, so you don't have anything to worry about. You know, the Bible, when you read in the New Testament, post-resurrection, which is where Acts is and what Paul wrote, Paul's continually instructing Christians. Let me tell you, as I told you before, and we dealt with all this last week, that no drunkard, no sexually immoral person, no liar, no idol worshiper will inherit the kingdom of God. Yes, all sins were covered by the blood of Jesus, but until it's accessed through repentance, you will go to hell. And we, there's no note of joy in my voice saying that. But I'm saying that in case you ever have to give an answer on my behalf. How many people does that pastor want going to that church? Everybody. Until the streets in Pittsburgh are dead empty on Sunday morning with every family knowing God, knowing Christ, and knowing his word. Because we're not content to see one person go to hell. Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission or forgiveness of your sin. Then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promises to you and your children, those who are far off, even all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this generation that is perverse and has gone astray. 
Acts 4, 4. I'm not going to read you the whole book of Acts this morning, but we'll just jump through it. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of men... Oh, I I should have finished too. 41. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. About 3,000 in all. This is where you get the concept of evangelism from. God didn't call us to to win the lost, he called us to make disciples. Yes. That's like saying God didn't call us to catch fish, he called us to clean fish. There has to be fish caught to clean them. And so evangelism and discipleship, there is no discipleship without evangelism. You have to win, win a soul and then disciple them. Jesus called people to come to him. The first chapter when the church is started starts with an explosion of evangelism. A crowd is gathered by the Holy Spirit. Peter doesn't say, hey, listen, I'm sorry, we're making noise. Uh, we're Christians. I know you're not. No, he goes out, starts telling them about Christ and rattling scriptures off from memory until the mocking people's hearts are pricked. Brethren, what should we do? Each of you, you need to, <laughs> you know what, Paul, when Paul was on trial, it's one of the funniest things you'd ever hear. If you read it in the book of Acts, they're asking him for a defense, and instead he starts preaching. And the ruler of the Roman Empire says, do you think uh, a little more talking and I would be persuaded to become a Christian? And Paul said, I would that not you, but all people would believe. Every time they had a chance to speak, they, were, they weren't even trying to get out of hell or anything. Just tell people about Jesus. I must stand trial before Caesar so the gospel can be preached in Rome. So 3,000. So again, I mean, you know, after all the miracles Jesus did, there was only 120. Yes, because the church hadn't been birthed yet. And it was for a handful of days. But as soon as the church is birthed and the Holy Spirit's poured out, it goes from 120 to 3,120. 3,120. We haven't caught that yet, and we're we're in month 13. This was in hour one, from 120 to 3,120. we got a ways to go. Does it stop there? No. Acts 4.4. How be it many of them which heard the word believed, And the number of men in the church, just the men, by chapter 4, two chapters later, is 5,000. Acts 5.28. The the ruler said, "Did did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in the name of Jesus? But behold, you have filled the, the city of Jerusalem with your doctrine. 120, 3,120, 5,000, till the whole city knows what you people are doing here. Acts 17, 6. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren under the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the whole world upside down have come here also. That's how Christians were known. These people that have turned the 120, 3,000, 5,000, Hold of Jerusalem till these men have turned the whole world upside down. And if you're a student of history, you already know. The whole Roman Empire that was beating the apostles, crucifying Christ, ordering people to preach and teach no more, they eventually win Constantinople to Christ and the Roman Empire is turned on its ear. And today the Roman Empire is no more. The Greeks that opposed it are no more. But the church of the Lord Jesus Christ spans the entire globe. I will build my church. And when you get involved in the work of building that church, brother, your life has that wind behind it. You can feel it behind me. 
wind, supernatural divine wind. You will enjoy that wind this year in Jesus' name. I said you'll enjoy a divine wind behind you in Jesus' name. If you believe it, shout amen. amen. Uh, Matthew chapter 9. Matthew 9, 35, I think it is. Let me hammer my point home a little more. Matthew 9. Thirty-five. The subtitle in my Bible is The Need for Workers. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages in that area, teaching in the synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Jesus was a speaker. He spoke. He didn't go around passing out socks and water bottles. That stuff's important. But he taught the word, he preached the word, and then he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So he said to the disciples, what are you? What are you? So he said to me too. He said to me and he said to you, the harvest is great. But the laborers are few. America is just so wicked. Jesus said the problem is not America being wicked or the world being wicked. The problem is there's too few people that are workers in the field. Much of, much of church and pastoring is focused on getting people to attend. Please come back. Please be faithful every Sunday. But you know, if you get people infected with the fire of the Holy Ghost, you don't have to worry about church attendance. like worrying about getting a heroin addict to smoke cigarettes. The smoking comes with it. What an awful example, but sadly, many of us got the example. Church attendance is a natural byproduct of being on fire for God. But if you teach people, think of the difference of if I trained you to be 700 faithful church attendees, or if this was just a meeting of 700 violent, spiritually violent, Radical soul winners that got empowered by the Holy Ghost to go back out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday and rip captives out of the prisons of darkness and set people free. That's what this church is. This church is a spirit-filled army of men and women of God that are obeying the command to make disciples. The harvest is great. Problems, the workers. So pray, so what do we do about it? Pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers out into the field. Revival Today Bible Institute launched last semester. Got around, I don't know, just under 30 students. Not through the first year yet. There's no English major. There's no Christian education major. There's no worship leading major. It's to raise up pastors and evangelists. And you say missionaries. Missionaries are just... Uh, Five-fold office gifts operating in a foreign country. It's to raise up preaching, teaching, soul-winning, sick-healing people to fulfill this command of Christ. I'm preaching these scriptures to you so you know this is not like an ambition of mine. This is the central mission of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. More ministers here. Stand up uh, from England, Mr. Samuel, and your wife can stand with you. Uh, he started preaching out, out of the U.K., and then where are you based now, Illinois? Oh, you moved here. Uh, welcome. Welcome to Pittsburgh. Give him a, when did you move here? 
yesterday. Okay, so I'm not that late. Look how God's helping us out. Hallelujah. Welcome, Evangelist Samuel uh, Dent. Dent, I didn't want to get the wrong last name. Good God sending people. And then we're converting people out of Pittsburgh and getting them on fire. There's people in full-time evangelism that haven't won as many souls in their ministry as Chuck Ondo did last year. People think they're going for haircuts. They're going to get forced into Christianity at razor point. He's got a single-blade razor at their neck. You really should come to church with me. Okay. Did I tell you I used to be in the Marines? Romans chapter 10. Romans, the 10th chapter. Verse 9. For if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God and by confession, open confession out of your mouth that you're saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced or disappointed. I don't know if that'll work for me. That's the devil talking to you. This power will set anybody free, no matter how deep or dark their life is. If you can testify to that, can you say amen? amen. For, uh, Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If the chapter stops there, I don't have a sermon today. 14. But how can they call on him to save them? Unless they believe in him. If it stops there, we're off the hook. Lord, help them to believe in you so they can call on you. And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? Got to hear a preaching about Christ with conviction and love and compassion is how the ball gets rolling. That's why I detest preach the gospel and if necessary use words. That's not a scripture. It actually contradicts Scripture. Speak. Paul, was telling, Paul wasn't living a quiet life before Caesar and keeping his mouth shut about Jesus. They drag him out of the city. Imagine I finished a sermon one time, and men from the city that are sick of their wives, not going drinking with them anymore, and, and, and it's ruined alcohol sales, and they get everybody together and come and grab me. Of course, you'd have to take a few guys out first. But if they, if they got to him and put hands on me, and dragged me straight out of Pittsburgh to some place where they knew the sheriff and he'd cover up for it and then took rocks and just started bouncing them off my head till I was dead. That's what they did to Paul. That's how much, he, that's how much this was shaking the power structures of those cities. And after they got done doing that, the believers gathered around to bury him and he popped up out of the rocks and walked straight back into the city. He was like the terminator of evangel must tell about Jesus. How can they call on him unless they believe? How can they believe if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless somebody tells them? How can they hear about Jesus unless somebody tells them? There's church live streams, church TV programs that you can leave on for one hour. And you won't hear one thing about Jesus. Life improvement, time management, the importance of learning to say no so that we can keep our calendars and schedules. That's all good stuff. 
But the gospel is the good news of the person of Jesus Christ dying and shedding his blood to break the power of the devil. Somebody's got to tell them. Stand up, my friend, from Reno, Nevada. 39 or 40? How many people told you about Jesus when you lived in Reno, Nevada? Zero. 39 years. Nobody ever told him about Jesus Christ. That, 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 that is a spiritual felony. In America, we're not in Karachi. We're not in Islamabad. How? How? You want to know how? I'll answer my own question because people think somebody else is going to do it. You got to treat it like, you know how Paul treated? When you read Paul's life, you'd have thought he was the only Christian on earth. He was acting like the entirety of the Great Commission rested on him. God never had to tell him to go do anything. God had to tell him when he was going to Asia, hey, don't go here, go here instead. So he just acted like there was a continual green light until he got a red light from God. I'm just waiting to hear from the Lord. What do you want to hear? You want me to go to your room and yell this to you personally? Go into all the world. God will break off your piece of the Great Commission. Stand up, Brother Killer. I'm not saying this to brag. I'm saying it because I'm not commissioning you to do something I don't do. I led him to the Lord. Jesus saved him. I said, I saved him. I led him to the Lord. I met him in Maui. No, no shirt on. Burn mark on his arm. What, what, what burned it? Car accident. And then drug burns too. I didn't go, well, I'm here preaching. I'll stay away from him. Well, that's the story of the Good Samaritan. Stand up with me, Kyle. I want you to stand up. I, like, I feel safer with you here. I like when someone has killer tattooed on their knuckles. Show them. When he got saved, I don't know what the statute of limitations are and stuff, but let's just say all of his income he had to walk away from. Everything, every way he made money was not legal. To be a Christian, he had to leave all his income behind to follow Jesus Christ. I told him about Christ for years. I couldn't get him to come. To, hey, come hear me preach tonight. I'm not going to be like the other two guys in the story of the Good Samaritan. <laughs> I heard he's a drug dealer. I'm the other way. Oh, you're a drug dealer. Jonathan Shuttlesworth, nice to meet you. <laughs> drug dealers are great people to get saved in, in the ministry because they're excellent at networking. They're self-starters. You can't join a drug dealing company. I'm telling you the truth. Brian Tomes that was here this week that pastors in Massachusetts, that's what he was. Slung meth in Nevada. They get saved, they start slinging Jesus. Get motivated. Then you, he finally, why did you come hear me preach the one night? Well, what happened is I wasn't going to any services. He invited me every night. They did two weeks of revival services, and they invited me every single night. And you know what I told them? I told them I was coming, but I never showed up. So the second night came, they seen me again. They said, hey, where are you? Where were you that la uh, last night? I said, oh, I couldn't make it, but I couldn't make it because I had a lot of drugs. I, I couldn't go nowhere because of my drug. Everything to do in my life was about drugs. So if anybody was to invite me to some place that was not to do with drugs, I will tell them I will show up, but I won't show up. So the second night, they invited me again. I didn't show up. The third night went by. The fourth night went by. The fifth night went by. Finally, the last night. Nobody probably has heard this story before, but today is the day I'm going to tell you this story. It's so powerful because I was not going. The Lord knew 100% of me was not going to that revival service. And when I got to that revival service, 
I supernaturally got there. An angel of the Lord took me to that service supernaturally. I didn't want to go to that service. I was not going to that service. And literally, I smoked my last crystal meth 20 minutes before I ended up at the front row of that revival service. I smoked up my last crystal meth. And it's like I was gone. And all of a sudden, I appeared in the front row of that service. Supernaturally. How much did you like me, my preaching when you first heard me? Oh, not at all. <laughs> so actually, when I ended up on that front row, as he came out, everybody knows how evangelist Jonathan preaches. He preaches powerful, and he jumps all over the place. And when he came out jumping, this is what I said. Who is this skinny, white, holy guy jumping and yelling at me? And literally, when I sat there in that chair, I wanted to punch him in his throat, but I could not move. That same angel that took me to that service is the same angel that kept me in my seat from punching this man. And I'm so glad that this man was full of the fire of the Holy Ghost because I could not touch him. And here I am today, transformed by the power of the Holy Ghost, 12 years, set free from crystal meth and felony. I'm telling you, if he can do it for me, he can do it for you. All it takes is one call upon the name of Jesus Christ and your life shall be transformed. Because he wasn't a drug addict. He was an evangelist who needed to get born again and needed to get delivered from drugs. And they're all over Pittsburgh too. Great people. You know, your hell's not going to be full of like Terrible people. It's going to be filled with people who just they never got right with God. And if you don't get right with God, some other power moves in. You'd be amazed how nice people are once you get the devil cast out of them. Who knew my mother was going to be what she turned into and raised me and my sister to serve the Lord? Unsaved family. Somebody told them about Jesus. So I, I, I'm bringing him to tell you that I wasn't speaking at a church. I felt the Lord send me back to that town, Hana. Takes two hours to get there, even though it's only 30 some miles from the airport where you land. All windy roads. There's only 1,600 people back there. And start preaching, rental hall. There was no church. It, it, I went down back there one time. I thought, how can there be a town in America that has no church? There's one church building. The Catholic Church, I don't even think, was meeting every Saturday because they couldn't get a full time priest back there. And then they had one Protestant church that met one Sunday every six weeks, which was the minimum to keep it church status. No full-time pastor. Nothing. How much crystal meth was back there back then? I don't know how much there is now. A lot. Like, uh, not exaggerating. Not, not like preacher exaggerating. Just tons of dr drugs and the youth nowhere to go. And I, I, I said it. 20, 25, 26 years old. That's where I bet a dollar. I'm not letting this happen. I don't have any money or people backing me, but I'll just do something. Started teaching on the beach. Rented the one place you could rent. Brought my dad back there. Brought Pastor Rodney back there. I thought, I'm going to give it a shot. And a church grew out of it. He got saved. Lee Howe that came to play bass one night. Big Hawaiian guy. One night I gave the altar call the whole band. Because all, no, there there all the musicians, I was just using whoever I could. They get saved. And then God called Pastor Brad from West Virginia to come and give his life there. And we got a church hooked up. And then I, I supported it from here until enough money was coming in from the people where it's self-sustained. And then I called Dr. James Morocco's office and said, I'm turning a church over to you. I can't oversee it.
We're in Pennsylvania. I don't know anything about pastoring. I, was, I barely know anything now. And I was 27 and never pastored. These people need oversight from Maui, and I turned it over to his organization. And then I knew I had done my work. And then he gave me a call. Jonathan, this is Dr. James Morocco. I got your number from Rodney Howard Brown. I wanted to find out who the young man was that just gave me a church full of people. Why did you do that? I said, because I, I, I can't do what you do. You're obviously the main guy. These guys started 500 churches, 500. So you, you do it. And I didn't want to give it to you with it where it needed money. I wanted to wait till I was giving you a blessing, not a, not a curse. Well, next time you're here, he said, I've never had anybody do that. Next time you're here, come and preach at my church, which is the biggest church in Hawaii. That's how our ministry opened. Go reach people no one reaches, and then God will give you the platform that everybody wants if you'll get busy winning people to Christ. Don't give up when they insult you and revile you. Who do you think you are? You think you're talk like that. Don't let it get to you. It's just an inward thing they're having. It's actually things they'd like to say to God, but He's not there, so they yell at you instead. Oh, yeah, that's, that stuff's true. And how come they're 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 just they're basically yelling at God through you. So just take His beating. And that's why He said, if you're persecuted for me, I'll bless you because they're actually not mad at you; they're mad at me. It's not you they don't like, it's me. The same spirit that put me on the cross that wanted me dead. You think if Jesus came back to the earth right now in the same form that he was when he, when he came as Messiah, you think everybody would celebrate him? They, the same way they wanted to kill him then, they would make plans to kill him now. The powers of this world would say, put that guy to death. Because this the world spirit can't operate when the Spirit of Christ is in full operation. That's why this year, this church is going to get overfilled with the power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost and fire and run the devil racket all 2023. How can they hear unless somebody tells them? Where's the girl from Robert Morris University that got saved at Stand up. Come up here. You had already attempted on your life or you were thinking of it? No, I already attempted. And then how would you end up in church? So that, nope, that Monday, um, people from young adults came to RMU and... Um, I was just sitting in Rome, I was just looking at the little calf that they have, and they gave me this flyer. So I looked at it closer, I was like, wait, there's like people worshiping, so I got really, really interested. And then I asked someone, I forget I forget who I asked, but I was like, what is this? Is like this, is this like a church group? I don't know what it is. They told me that it was a church group on Tuesdays. I was like, okay, I might go. And then I asked, because then I told them that I didn't have a ride. And so then Maria was like, hey, I'll just give you a ride. Just give me your phone number, then I'll give you a ride. But then that Monday night, I was so depressed because of other things that was going on. And I almost took my life on that Monday night. So then Tuesday I woke up, 
I couldn't barely go to classes just because of like my mental health was just going through the roof. It was really, really bad. So then Tuesday, I went to Young Adults for the very first time. And this was the first time I ever walked into a youth service or any type of service that I could walk in there without feeling any shame from anyone. Like I could walk in there and I could just feel like the presence of the Lord already. And I could just tell that these people would accept me and love me for who I am. So then um, Pastor Augustine gave like a prayer like request to come up front for like finding purpose and identity in God. And that really, really struck me because I've never like heard that before. So I went up there and that was the first time I ever fell under the Holy Spirit before. And I just remember I was just shaking so bad on that ground. It was so crazy. And then Wednesday, Jonathan was preaching on the power of speaking in tongues. And during the service, it was getting in my spirit. And then after, like, when he was, like, after when he was, like, giving, like, the altar call and stuff, I started speaking, but it was almost, like, whispering. So, like, it was already in my, like, so I felt it in my spirit going when he was preaching. And then when he was done, I just, like, it just, like, started bubbling up. And then when he came around to pray for everyone, he laid his hands on me, and um, I just, I got louder with it. It, like, started bubbling up even more. And that was the first time I ever spoke in tongues ever. And that was, that was also the first time I ever heard the power of the speaking in tongues, because I've never heard of that in my whole entire life, ever. I think it was D.L. Moody that said, if people, if people want to go to hell and are, are, are uh, determined, no, it was if people are determined to go to hell, let them do it having to jump over our bodies, dragging at their feet, imploring them not to go. You should have to purposely go to hell in this country. I hate those Christians. I hate church. It should not be that you're getting ready to kill yourself at college and nobody's ever told you about the Holy Ghost or Jesus. And it's not going to happen. This year, this year is going to be the righteous shall possess the land in Jesus' name. So, how now? How are you now? What, what's the difference? Um, I have no more suicidal thoughts. I can look at myself in the mirror for the very first time ever in my whole entire life and tell myself that I'm pretty. I can tell myself that I'm not the stuff that these kids used to tell me all of my life. I can look at myself and tell me that. And then also, Pastor Kofi, for a miracle night, I really had really, really bad stomach issues. I already, always had to go to the hospital for NG tubes to get clean out. And Pastor Kofi had a miracle night service, so I went, and that's what I was believing God to heal me f from. And I got healed from the stomach issue, and actually, he laid his hands on me when he called out, like, the miracle, like, whoever needs a miracle in their body, come up front. And when I fell back under the power of the Holy Ghost, I, this was the first time I ever had a vision, ever, so I was back on the back, and I'll never, ever forget this. So I was on my back, and it was God over top of me, and it was like in a vision. 
and God was over top of me, and I could see him doing the surgery on my stomach to fix all the problems that was there. And so then I went to the doctor like a week later, and they did tests. They were trying to like see like if there was anything that was like how how bad it is and stuff like that, and they couldn't find anything. They're like, what is this? Like we've never had somebody come here and be completely healed of this, and yeah. But I've never had suicidal thoughts again. Um, no fear, nothing like that. I've been completely free of every single mental torment. I'm glad, I'm glad. Nice girl. Super nice girl. She's gonna be sitting somewhere thinking about killing herself. How old are you? Yeah. That's why I want a big church. That's why. So big that Robert Morris has to align their class schedule around when we have services because there's too many students coming. Imagine the day that our campus ministry has 1,500 students from Pitt and Duquesne and Robert Morris University. Will you believe that with me? Will you help me do it? Evangelism. It's not all the church exists for. It's five key points to a church. Let me see if I can remember from when I was 19 at Bible College. Fellowship. Can we have the Valentine's dinner? That's nice. It's actually even in the book of Acts. Acts 2 and the believers met together, broke bread together. It's nice to sit and talk with people that aren't trying to sell you Percocet. That builds you up in your faith. Can you say amen? Fellowship. Evangelism. Worship. Praise and worship. Ministry, actual prayer. It can't be all evangelism. Well, then once people get saved, they need, like, I love that whole story. And then D's discipleship. Those are the five points. That once people get saved, they get discipled. They have to be ministered to. After she got saved, then there was ministry to her. Kofi laid hands on her. She got healed. People have problems that they need to get healed from. How come you like me so much in South Africa? You're already a Christian, right? So why do you like this? Uh, what brings you to Pittsburgh every year? I'm glad. So there's ministry. Encouraged him. He was already saved, but he got it. said it was a breath of fresh air. Durban, South Africa is very far from here. I've been there. I've preached there. When you go to Atlanta, it's a 17 and a half hour flight nonstop to Johannesburg, and then you have to take another. How long is the flight to Durban from there? 25 hours total. So he wasn't a, a little encouraged. And who comes, I mean, of all times, if I was going to come visit the church, I would mark these three weeks to not come. And he comes to fast with us. Last year, that guy got so skinny, he had to dance around in the shower to get wet. How can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? How can they hear about him unless somebody tells them? And say, I'll be that somebody. And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That's why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the messengers who bring good news. Not everyone welcomes our message. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? Verse 17, but faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. 
I'm going to play a video for you from Al Jazeera of Pastor Enoch Adeboye's church, the Redeemed Christian Church of God, because I want you to see this. I could describe it, but it's not the same as seeing it. And I want you also to, re to realize this profile is being done by Islamic State Television because the impact is so great that many of the mosques are having to change from meeting on Friday to meeting on Sunday because people will go to the mosque on Friday, they'll go to church to get healed on Sunday, and then they don't come back. So the impact is so great that Al Jazeera can't ignore it. Play it. This is what half a million people under one roof looks like. This redeemed Christian Church of God Auditorium is two kilometers long and a kilometer wide. And it prides itself with holding the biggest gathering of Christians on earth. A 70-year-old preacher, Dr. Enoch Adeboye, heads the church. Believing that churches should be as common as coffee shops, he opened parishes in 160 countries across the world. And as Adeboye takes the stage to begin a four-hour sermon, he rouses the crowd with a passionate prayer. Most here have come to see him and listen to his preaching. Coming to knowing him is one of the greatest things that ever happened to me as a Christian. He's a wonderful man. That would be a great thing for somebody to be able to say about you. He didn't say knowing Jesus. Obviously, that's implied. Knowing that man is one of the greatest things that's ever happened to me as a Christian. People should be able to say that about, I'm glad I met that guy. He changed my life. People would say that about Chuck. Killer feels that way about me. And I'm not profiling these pe people to show you that they show off who I've won to the Lord. I'm showing you so I'm not a pastor telling you I'm not going to be that type of pastor. We have prayer every day. That's run by our prayer team. I'm at prayer, praying, all night prayer, praying, not in my office, setting my fantasy football lineup. And then I'm, if I tell you to pray, I'm praying. If I tell you to fast, that's one thing you can't fake. You come on day 14 looking like Buddha. People have questions to ask. If I tell you to fast, I can promise you I'm fasting and I'll do more than you. And if I tell you to win souls, I'm not just winning. I'm not talking about my evangelistic meetings. Guy, guy that uh, runs the convenience store by my house is a Hindu guy. I said, what city are you from? He told me. I said, I've been there. Why don't you come to church with me? Oh, no. I'm Hindu. I said, I know. Why don't you become Christian? It's just as easy as becoming Hindu. Actually, easier. And in my opinion, better. I've researched it. No, actually, I don't even go to Hindu temple anymore. I, I didn't even go when I was in India. So I'll work on them. I'm not done. I'm going to have people in this church. In fact, the, the mission I'm going to unveil to you, uh, my, my goal is to, do, to fulfill it personally. And whatever you do, be bonus. Just start bringing people to church. People have no direction. Give them direction. Hey, where are you three guys going? Want to come? To, you should come. To, don't say you want to come. People don't know what they want. And the things people do want kill them. Fruit Loops and Pop-Tarts and stuff. So come to church with me. You, you'd like, no, I don't go to church. I know. But you need to start coming, coming with me. Then you're going to have people open up to you on their own at work. Instead of telling them about a new medication you took for blood pressure, why don't you pray for them? Instead of telling them about therapy that you're receiving, why don't you pray for them? Tell them about Jesus. Every time somebody comes to you with a problem, I have a question. As a Christian in America, when somebody comes to you with a problem, do you refer them to a doctor, a medication, 
a therapist. We're for all, all those people that help people. But Peter and Paul weren't going around telling people about the great hospitals in Rome. They were telling people about Jesus and his blood and his power. When someone opens up to you, tell them about Jesus. I'm depressed. Jesus lifts the heavy burden and destroys the yoke of bondage. I like watching these guys, how their face, they ask them about Pastor Boy. their face, oh, meeting him was the greatest thing that ever happened to me as a Christian. He is a wonderful man. That's how people should feel about you. I, I bet you that's how the, uh, the beat up guy felt about the good Samaritan. What a guy, what did he do that for? He put me in a, in a four seasons, paid my room service bill and paid for a personal physician to come. What a great guy. People should feel that way about you. Not everyone will, you can't please, but there should be a lot of people that say, that man impacted my life. That woman impacted my life. And it, it doesn't have anything to do with being a full-time minister. Chuck Ondo that's here is not even a part-time minister. He's a full-time barber. Stand to your feet if Chuck Ondo has majorly impacted your life with the gospel or introduced Jesus to you. Stand, stand to your feet. Who else? Where's the other people he brought? On vacation? Usually there's half a row with them. There's one there, former Navy SEAL that's now serving the Lord. Veterans Brigade. All that stuff. That's what we do. That's what Christians do. Not me- That's a Christian thing. Jesus, Jesus didn't call the five-fold ministry gifts together and say go into all the world and preach the gospel. And the five-fold ministry have quit doing it, basically. Since when was the office of the prophet to predict elections? Can you say amen? We prophesied a red wave and one didn't come. I'm confused. Yeah, I know you are. Every ministry gift is to win the lost. Can you say amen? Who are these men who have turned the whole world upside down? Now that we've told you, I'll play the rest of the video. Overcome by the spirit and the music, some life flat on the floor. Once every month, thousands of worshippers flock to Dr. Adeboyo's church, seeking the miracles he promises. They come from all corners of Nigeria as well as from outside the country. Many of them are here to seek a release from the harsh economic realities. If these people were not getting their miracles by now, they would have stopped. If you listen to some of the testimonies, miracles of healings, miracles of deliverance, miracles of uh, childbirth, miracles of uh, success in the academics, etc., etc. Today, miracle preaching is the shortest path to wealth in Nigeria. Preachers and heads of churches have joined the ranks of Nigeria's wealthiest. Pastor Adeboye himself has a palatial home and a private jet, among other luxury items. There are things you need, which you must have if you are to be efficient. Oh, when you have to oversee churches in the 160 nations, you can't do that on a bicycle.
at a certain point in the night, hundreds of young men, women and children ran to the stage area to be prayed for. More and more Nigerians are convincing themselves that their government has been to And so to the pastors, they rush for help. Mohammed Adu Al Jazeera, Lagos, Nigeria. I'm, I, I, listen, I'm playing that for you to show you what's coming to this country. This country will be filled, we're not with mega churches, with super mega churches. Altars packed with tens of thousands of people receiving Jesus Christ. God's not having a weak, defeated church. Jesus is coming back for a glorious church. If you believe it, shout amen like thunder. Do you know how many, when they called that meeting in the 1980s, 1987, you know how many were in attendance when they'd have that big meeting? 300 people in a regular church with pews. And that, when I talk about multiplication and expansion and increase, I'm talking about supernatural. Because the Bible says the last days will be a coming together of the former reign and the latter rain. What you read in the book of Acts is going to be common in this last period of time. You're getting it on the ground floor. I'm telling you, Dag, Dag Haywood Mills, how many of you were here when Dag Haywood Mills was here? This is the same. Same movement, same crowds. That's why when he called me the day after he left, he said, you know, God will give you power to fill that dome. That was back when we had 400 people. I thought, I don't know, man. We're not even to the box yet. The, six, the, uh, the scoring box. Then shortly after midfield, I sent him the pictures. And, oh, yeah. Well, you know, they're not impressed. Oh, yeah, that's great. You got the midfield. It'll be full soon. Then you'll have to go to a bigger place. He started talking to me. He was here. Are there arenas here that can seat eighteen or 20,000? Then after you outgrow this place, you need to start believing that when the, their lease is up on that, the sports team, then you take that place. That's how, the, that because they're into increase. I'm going to tell you, you can't be more into prosperity than I am. But why would churches believe in increase in prosperity and finances and believe, to believe for the best and that God can multiply your money and not understand that God can multiply people? The same way you can believe for a jet, you can believe for the PPG Paints Arena to have two Sunday services every Sunday for people coming to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, this is the greatest hour there has ever been to be alive. We are going to watch God shake this nation by the power of the Holy Ghost. Say it so the devil can hear you. I'm a soul winner. Say this, say this devil, you're in for a bad year. I'm going to take people out of your hands and give them to my Lord. Sister Colleen, Merrick, quickly, I know it's a long way to come, but tell, tell what you, you don't, you don't have to be any more specific than you want to be, but come, come and tell that note that you passed to my wife. I want, I want to hear it from you. What happened? With your son, your son. Yeah. Here, let me give you the money. I'll come to you. That's what a gentleman. So my son, Tristan, he's seven, and um, I've been believing for my father, my parents to get saved, and um, they, I was raised Catholic, they're both Catholic, and um, we were there for lunch the other day, and he prayed the salvation prayer with my father. So. Trist, Tristan softened his heart, huh? God gave him the right words. 
his son, and her son was there praying 10.30 to 6 in the morning. And then winning souls. I'm going to break the neck of that conversionless Christianity that's crept into this country. This church is not going to have it. We have revival meetings. We have believers meetings, but it's not going to turn into a... There's a danger at this church especially because we're on Daystar and the, the platforms God's given us. We could have people move here from all over the country and have a church of 5,000 and there'd be no impact in the city. There's churches like that in America. There's 5,000 coming. No one even knows they exist because it's outside people that move there. This is not a cult. This is, this, these are people that are supposed to get on fire. The bulk of the people should be Pittsburgh families that were transformed by the power of God. Do you know how many God-fearing Catholic people that have never met Jesus? I'm not picking on Catholics. There'll be all kinds of denominational people in hell. You can go to hell with the water of baptism still on your forehead. You have to have a change of your heart that only Jesus can give. Can you say amen? Now, now that we know the importance of winning souls and winning the lost, I want to get you intoxicated with the blessing there is if you decide to engage in this. Say, Father, I see that in the Word. I'm not a bold person. I like keeping to myself. But if you want that done, I'm going to believe you every day to open a door of conversation and start winning the lost. When you do that, here's the blessing. Number one, soul winners can't get depressed. Why? Luke 15, 7. I say unto you that likewise there shall be joy in heaven over one sinner that repent, repents more than over 99 just persons which, mean, which need no repentance. When someone gets saved, all heaven rejoices. You are seated in heaven. You have heaven on the inside of you. That's why if you've ever won someone to the Lord, there's a joy that bursts. I've been at the, anybody ever been at an altar and somebody gets saved and the person that brought them is behind them? Because there's a release of that joy. Number one, soul winners don't get depressed. Luke 10, and the disciples came back and joyfully reported all the things that were done because they were winning souls. Now, and it, now th this will sting people, but when I hear ministers, I'm battling depression. Then you're not getting people saved because if you're getting people saved, there's a joy that comes from that that comes from heaven. Number two, soul winning engenders protection from all the power of the devil. When you're out winning souls, God keeps you safe. God will curse anyone who curses you without your permission. And the 70 returned again with joy, Luke 10, 17 to 20, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject to us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven, and behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the devil, and nothing shall by any means harm you. That's written to people that are on the move for Jesus. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your name is written in heaven. Number three, soul winning honors God, and anyone who honors God, God will honor. Proverbs 14, 28. In the multitude of people is the king's honor. One way that you worship and bestow honor upon God is by bringing people into the church to worship him. In the multitude of people is the king's honor. 1 Samuel 2, 30. Wherefore the Lord God of Israel saith, I said indeed that thy house and the house of thy father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord saith, Far be it from me, for them that honor me I will honor, and they that despise me will be lightly esteemed. When you honor God, God honors you. You will enjoy the honor of God this year in Jesus' name. Number four, 
Soul winning is a covenant platform for permanent breakthrough. Soul winning takes you from someone who needs prayer to someone that carries the answer to other people's prayers by the Spirit of God. Proverbs 11.30. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is... Okay, so soul winning makes you wise. What does the Bible say happens to the wise? Proverbs 3.35. The wise shall inherit glory, but shame shall be the promotion of fools. So he that winneth souls is wise, and the wise shall inherit glory. You don't have to try. You carry it. Where did they bury Billy Graham? Where did they put his body for viewing? At a little funeral home in North Carolina or the National Rotunda? And drove his body down Billy Graham Parkway in North Carolina with people on both sides of the street holding signs and cheering a man that went around telling his generation that Jesus saves. Daniel 12:3. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. And they that turn many to righteousness shall shine. That's what Billy Graham did. He showed. They that turn many, you turn them. There's a better way, my friend. Not yelling at me, you shouldn't drink, shouldn't smoke. That's not it. There's a better way. Jesus loves you. You don't have to. I would love to hear what Tristan told his grandfather that softened that man's heart and got him to pray the, the sinner's prayer and receive Christ. I'd like to hear what the Lord had him say. The gospel's good news. You don't do it by berating people. God will give you the words to say that open the door of their heart. Listen to this. Daniel 12, 3. They that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness shall shine like the stars forever and ever. The apostle Paul, addicted soul winner, he's being quoted all over the world today. Like you'd think he was still alive, Paul said. Who? Who's Paul? Got cities named after him all over the world. They that turn many to righteousness. Turn people. There's a better way. The same way people go after to turn people to drink. Come to the bar. Come on, what's the matter with you? Yeah, there should be people that turn people to come to church. Come on. You'll like it. Come with me. Wear them down. They that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Number five, God becomes the personal physician of every soul winner. Proverbs 13, 17. A wicked messenger falleth into trouble, but a faithful ambassador is health. In the King James, it says carries health, but carries is italicized. A faithful messenger carries health. They have health. My father, you might think I'm preaching that because I'm in my early 40s. My dad's in his mid-60s. He has never missed one needing to preach because of sickness and disease. Look at Pastor Adeboye. That was him at 70. That, that clip's nine years old. Now he's still doing the meetings at 81, 82. Preaching for an hour and a half. No cane, nothing. A faithful messenger carries health. They'll lay their hands on the sick and the sick will recover. Where's the health coming from? Because the healer lives on the inside of you. Get ready to enjoy your healthiest year in 2023 as you're on the go for Jesus. Number six, soul winning puts you in command of the supernatural. Mark 16, 15 to 20. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. 
These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name will they cast out devils. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt, hurt them. There's another protection. Notice how protection is just with people that are doing that. There's a southern white missionary in America. I can't remember what country he was in, but they didn't want Christianity in that village, so they kept trying to poison him. And he's eating new food, so he can't tell it tastes off. And you're taught in Bible college just to thank people and eat whatever's set before you. Mmm, this is good. And he asked for more. So they gave him more poison. Mmm, this is delicious. Thank you. And then after they gave him like his fourth helping over two days, and he just kept thanking them, they said, this guy must know God. He gave enough to drop a cow in its tracks. Thank you. Thanks, brother. They'll lay their hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. Then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand, at the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them, confirming what they said with many signs and wonders. That's how I led Brother Chuck to the Lord at the barbershop because the, Jesus gave him a dream the night before I came in to get my hair cut, and he brought it up. That's signs and wonders. You're going to think I'm crazy, but I got, I got to tell you a dream that I had. I'd met him one time before. He was in training under the barber that cut my hair. And then when I came back in, that barber had quit, and he took, I mean, the Lord worked the whole thing out. Then here he is, a pillar of the church. Was it, you know, him and his wife were him and his girlfriend when they started coming. They got married. It was the only wedding I did last year. And then they took their honeymoon at Sturgis to lead other bikers to the Lord. That guy has been on a tear. I guarantee you, whatever devil was in charge of you is being reprimanded in hell because they not only let one get away, the one they let get away became a major player in the kingdom of God. That's going to be the story of many people in this city. Number seven, soul winning puts you on God's payroll. John 4, 34 to 36. Jesus said, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your, in other words, quit saying the harvest is coming in. One day, how many believe one day there's going to be a revival? Do it now, Jesus is saying. Quit saying it's coming. Instead, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. For they're white. People are ready to get saved now. They're hurting. They're broken. They're depressed. We eat all of the antidepressants. 80% of them are consumed in this country. Sad people. The rich people are sad. The poor people are sad. Everybody's sad. Camila was watching the uh, whatever movie channel, Great American Movie Classics. Every commercial, are you battling depression? Are you battling this? After the third one, she looked at me and went, Paul, what's wrong with these people? So they don't know Jesus. Jesus isn't just to get you to heaven. He lifts the heavy burden. He destroys the yoke of bondage. I want you, listen now. I want you to leave this meeting so intoxicated about how wonderful Jesus is. Never lose. You want to know the secret to being a soul winner? Never lose your love and your fascination with Jesus. I would talk about him with my speech impediment. Aunt Linda, wave your hands so people can see you. I'm not making things up. Would I talk to you about Jesus when I was five and six? That was my thing. I was listening to my dad do it. I talked to you know Jesus. My mom, my mom took me to the grocery store one time at Giant Eagle. I was five or six. A man, I still clearly remember it. 
a man took a 24 case of beer. I wasn't trying to be condemning or anything, but I heard my dad preach against that every night. That you'll go, no drunkard will enter the kingdom of God. You'll go to hell. So when the guy took it, I was like, anyone going to tell this guy what he's about to do? I went, mister. He turned around. I went, don't you know if you drink that, you'll go to hell? My mom said, he looked at my mom and, and stormed out. I guarantee you, I had the most miserable drinking night with my little speech-impaired, prepubescent voice ringing in his ears. God will use anybody to let this world know, get rid of sin. Don't let sin get rid of you. You're too valuable to go to hell. Fields are white and ready for harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, gathereth fruit. He that reapeth receiveth wages. Not he that preacheth, he that reapeth. I heard a guy on Christian TV this morning saying how, how many know we have authority over the coronavirus? Yeah, you're saying it now. Your church was closed for two years. Anybody can talk. But what do you really believe? What are you really actively doing? Not he that preacheth receiveth wages. I've never, that, I don't think that preaches that in the ministry you get blessed. I've never had anything because I have a small church. No, you don't have a small church. You have a non-soul winning church. I had a guy in Queens, New York tell me one time because I was preaching like this. Not, not to condemn, this was in my spirit. We need to win the lost and grow Christianity in this country. And he comes up to me after, well, Jonathan, I heard you preach, but you have to remember God also has a plan for small churches. I said, that's right, for them to win souls, disciple them, and then become big churches. Tell me how you can have a constant intake of people getting saved and have a small church. Tell me. You only need about a deep knowledge of mathematics to know if more people are coming in, even if you have families that get offended and leave, and three families are getting converted, it doesn't matter. But if you don't, then it turns into a little religious graveyard. Mike thought the sound was too loud. And he's thinking of maybe not coming. And he's one of our biggest givers. He gives $100 every week. Then it starts turning into that. It starts, starts getting inbred. No new life. Gets weird. You ever go to churches that have 18, 23, 30? It's weird. It feels wrong. Because there's meant to be new intake of life. When sinners come in and get saved and that excitement they have, it rejuvenates the whole church. He that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. Yeah, if you win souls, you get paid. You get paid outside of any kind of... I had three, three sisters get saved and delivered. All they did was party. They took their dad's money and partied and drank and slept around. And they came to hear me preach. And they all got radically saved and baptized in the Holy Ghost. I didn't know their dad was the CEO of a bank. He started kicking into the ministry because he saw what it did. I didn't do it for that reason. When we did uh, Hana, where he's from, you know the songwriter Chris Christopherson? Anybody? His son came and got saved. Got baptized in the Holy Ghost and got baptized. And when we baptized in the Pacific Ocean, Chris Christopherson came to see it. Didn't he? Yeah. You'll start touching people's families. 
Imagine what will happen out of this church when you think you're just leading some 23-year-old to the Lord. It turns out it's one of the senators. That's why we, you know, I'm kind of switching off of politics this year. Because, I don't know for how, but I, I, I've lost faith in the Republican Party, whatever I had in it. When they voted through a one, if you vote for a $1.7 million budget, you're not a conservative. You're brain dead. You're a stupid person. And so I'm, I'm done with it. What's the point of having a red wave politically if they're going to all vote the same? So imagine, imagine like people they've even trained you as a conservative to not like, like that John Fetterman. What if John Fetterman, I'm, not, I'm just using an example. I don't know anything about him or his family. Let's say, let's say he had a kid or somebody close to him that was in trouble on drugs and you didn't even know they were related. You led that person to the Lord and then he finds out about it. God wants people to be saved. God wants Democrats to be saved. He doesn't want Democrats to become Republicans. He wants Democrats to get saved. If, you, if a Democrat gets born again, you won't have to tell them why abortion's wrong. They'll march in themselves to Planned Parenthood and say, take all your money back. It'll, it'll actually mess the whole thing up. If you want to mess things up for the devil in this country, start winning souls. New Orleans? Stand up. We've got New Orleans here. Stand with your wife. Newly married. How, many, how, how long? 2021. Congratulations. Two years married. I know you don't know them, but give them a hand clap. They're good people. <laughs> he that reapeth receiveth wages. And gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. Pastor Jay, stand up. Come up and stand with me and face the crowd. And Maddie, Pastor Maddie too. This is our youth group. So if you're a teenager and you want to win souls, coordinate with them. Because we don't just want people saved and left on the streets to die. We want them that they may be established in the house of the Lord. Can you say amen? Uh, Pastor Augustine, come stand up mine. Teenage, 18 to 30, that age group. Get with Pastor Augustine. If you want to be a soul winner, don't go off on your own little mission. Coordinated effort. Like the military. They don't hand you an M16 and go, no, just do what you feel led. Coordinated effort. Amen. Uh, where's Pastor Augustine? Yeah, whenever you're ready. Young adults, 18 to 35. 18 to 30? 18 to 35. So semi-young adults. Uh, Veterans Brigade. Is there Jeff? Brother Jeff, come up. Brother Chuck, come up with him. Brother Doug, come up with him. If you're a veteran, you've served in the armed forces, you're serving in the armed forces, we love you here. We want to see all your brothers and sisters in arms know Jesus and join God's army. <laughs> Veterans. These are all octopus arms. The church is the head of the... These are all arms that... Hitting all the stratospheres of society. Seniors, I lead that for some reason. <laughs> if you're 60 or older, I'm your best friend. This year we launched Revival Today Fitness. People are super into the gym for some reason. I've heard it has good benefits. And we're going to reach people at the gym. So, uh, Sister Giannuzzi, stand where people can see us. She's heading up. Revival Today Fitness. Entrepreneurs, business people. Brother Adam, come stand up from Texas. Face the crowd. He's my guest today. We're starting, we're starting in 2023. 
We're starting for people that are in business that are Christians, that want direction and how to grow their business. I'm taking care of the spiritual end. This is a man who runs multi-million dollar businesses that's born again and loves God. I've met him on the road. We've known each other. Tell him, take one minute and just tell him about you and what you do and what you're going to be doing with us. Um, I, thank you, Jonathan. Uh, it's a blessing to be here. You guys have an amazing leader, and it's awesome being in this church today, so I'm just so grateful for that. Uh, yeah, I've, I've been an entrepreneur, built businesses over the last uh, 10 years, and it's in my heart to build more Christian-based businesses, to empower more Christians to take that leap of faith to build businesses. And I have a crazy vision, and I can believe God can do it, to see over 10,000 Christian-based businesses. And that's how I think we really change the world, change this country, and uh, change the, the flow of how money goes in this country. Amen. Amen. So, and, and who do you, who are some of the, you, you, what football teams are you working with right now? Well, I, I work with a lot of different athletes. I have a few telemedicine companies that work in healthcare, like a, a, a car uh, company, all kinds of different stuff. I just left a mastermind here uh, two days ago in Dallas, working with a bunch of different groups as well. Yeah. So, so you hear me shout at you about Deuteronomy 20, heading out the tail, then once you get all fired up, you need to know now what specific paperwork do I file? or the thing that God just put in my heart to grow, how do I like actually take steps, then me and him will be like a one-two punch. Because I get all excited and sweaty, but then if you ask me any like practical questions, I don't know, I'm going deep. But then, then he can take it from there. And that's going to be a massive kingdom-based business group. Can you say amen? Where you can bring your business friends. You, you play music. Do you see the size of that horn section at Pastor Adeboye's church? That's hard not to be jealous. We got music. And musicians. And then if you do crusades, who's running crusade teams this year? We have. Who's, who's doing outreach teams? Brother Anthony? Who else? All the Bible college students. We had one outreach team this last year, but that's like communism because there's no competition. We're going to have at least three separate outreach teams, and I want to tell all the outreach teams, every Saturday we go out and tell people about Jesus to the extent that we've had the police called on us for passing out too much literature, which it turns out is not a crime. And then the cop that responded, Adela started talking to him, and the Lord gave her the words to say. She said, well, the reason we're doing this, people need to be saved. And she's telling about the Great Commission. He goes, I know, I used to be a pastor. And Adela goes, you used to be? What happened? Pray with me. Nah, not yet. God will take everything the devil means for evil and you turn it for good. Yeah. And then, uh, so those crusade teams, I want to tell the crusade people this for this year. Right now we're all in prayer and fasting. When we start these ministries... I don't want to hear about how 200 people got saved somewhere and there's two of them in church. I'd rather nine people get saved than six of them be in church. So we're going to run some kind of competition, incentive-based, last place team gets sent out of Pittsburgh <laughs> to Nigeria for further training. <laughs> and uh, I, want, I want to hit McKee's rocks. Where was that chief of police from that, that was killed? Breckenridge, all the, and I want to get a plan to get them to church. I, see, I think we own buses now. I've been seeing different vehicles drive. People buy things without telling me. We're gonna, we're gonna get them. We're, this isn't just some sermon to get hyped up about. So you guys, so there's, I want you to meet these people. These people are worth meeting, and there's more. There's more that work with them, and I want you to get involved in whatever one tickles your fancy, so to speak. Whatever one you, you, you want to get involved in. Where are the cards to pray for people? The Operation Andrew cards. Are they on your seat? Let me see one. Now, this final week of prayer and fasting, 
The more targeted you make your prayers, the better. These are my last 10 minutes. So I know it's easy to zone out at the end because I've been talking a long time. Lord save Pittsburgh is an unanswered prayer because Jesus didn't die for real estate. He died for people. Lord save the people of Pittsburgh would be a little better, but give God a target in your prayer. Bartimaeus, what do you want? Son of David, have mercy on me. Yeah, mercy is general. What specific mercy would you like? I want to receive my sight. As your faith is, so be it done unto you. Not Lord bless Pittsburgh. Not Lord save the people of Pittsburgh. This is what Billy Graham used as a strategy to change the nation that he took from Billy Sunday, that Billy Sunday took from D.L. Moody. Operation Andrew. I want you to grab the card. You have one at your seat. I want you to see it. Operation Andrew. Invite and bring. Everybody say, and bring. and bring. The lost. Operation Andrew is a strategy that helps believers impact their city, family, friends, and coworkers with the gospel. All of us know people who need Jesus and are not plugged into a local church. Let's all do our part by praying for, inviting, and bringing others to Revival Today Church so they can hear the gospel and receive a touch from heaven. My Operation Andrew Souls List. I commit to pray for, invite, and bring the following people with me to Revival Today Church. I want you to get those seven on there. I've called this Operation 500. You know what the 500 is? 500 new souls, not 500 commitments to Christ at the altar. We had much more than that last year. 500 souls saved, like people that right now are on their way to hell, not people we invited from other churches because this church is better. 500 people that, as of this moment, are on their way to hell that by December 31st, like Chuck, will be planted and in. You don't have to wonder where he is. If I came to church and he wasn't here, I would just assume I missed the rapture. People that are, they're there. They're, they're plugged in. Like him. You know, he gets saved. I see him everywhere I go now. On fire. That, that, that's what I'm talking about. Just to stick it to the devil. Take people out of his grip. People don't belong suffering. People don't belong suffering in eternity. My life's hell. You don't even understand. It's not 1% of the hell it's going to be in eternity if, if, if people don't repent. I want you to write seven names down up to you and I want you to think more on who the Lord has placed in your life rather than people you'd like to be saved Jesus' own family won't listen to him I'm not saying your family won't get saved but oftentimes God has to use somebody else because that's just how it goes co-workers people that already kind of listen to you And then this week of prayer and fasting is going to be completely devoted to, to praying for those names. That they be saved. Father, let the anointing come upon them. I pray angels would surround them. I pray the hold of the devil would be broken off them. I bind the alcoholism that's over their life. You just start going in prayer at it. And then it gives you instructions on the back. To get 500 people, that's 11, uh, 14 a week, I think. No, 11 a week, starting in February. It's 11 a week for 11 months, something like that. And uh, to get 11 to stick, you're probably going to need to get 33 a week. If you study the parable of the sower and seed hitting the ground, then 
people rejecting it and all that. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because you do a show. You, you would lift your hand. I want you to commit today to entering into real Christianity, which is the winning of souls. And as you do, I want you to see that all the things that people ask for prayer for, God will supply those. You know that Matthew 6.33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, the advancement of the kingdom of God. And when you do, what did he say would be added unto you? Everything. So the things people are praying for, trying to get, could actually just be accessed going after the lost. Can you say amen? amen? I could have prayed, Lord, send a bank CEO to smile on our ministry in Jesus' name. But instead, I just went about taking Jesus to people and you bump into them. Can you say amen? amen? Jesus never prayed, Lord, let a lady dump her alabaster box over my feet, for that would be real prosperity. No, it just happened. Gifts were lavished on him as he made impact for people. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, in the name of Jesus, you got to stay up here with me. I pray right now. I pray right now that you would engrace this church to be a soul winning, delivering, harvesting, Church in Jesus' name. Evangelist Sammy, Dent, come up with your wife. Wherever Kofi is, I think he's on child care duty. Make sure you talk to him. That's what he did. He ran soul winning teams in Europe. If you can win people to the Lord in England, Pittsburgh will be a walk in the park. It'll be like double A pitching. So if you moved here, I'm using you. Thank you, Lord, for sending. I really just feel like today is already a confirmation that everything I'm about to pray for, the Lord already has in place. This church did not, even the Christians who came here from other churches are not disgruntled Christians. It's like this church became a magnet for people from all over Pittsburgh and all over every state that want to make impact for God before they go to heaven. And now the tools are in your hands to do it. What if you treated this year like Jesus was coming at midnight on December 31st? Everything that's in your heart to do, just do it. All the people you're hoping get saved someday, make this the year they get saved. And as we do that, God is going to lavish his blessings on your life and on this church because we're fulfilling prophecy. Can you say amen? With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm not going to preach all this time on soul winning and assume everybody here is saved. Maybe your life is a living hell. Maybe like that college student that testified. You know, you're in university. You obviously got good grades in high school. On the outside, things look okay. But on the inside, you're dying. You're miserable. You're addicted. You're in bondage. And it feels like there's no way out. Maybe you're here today and you know God spared your life. You should have died two or three times. And God kept his hand on you and preserved you to be here for now. You need to be saved. You need to receive Jesus today. Not all think about it. Get saved. Get rid of sin. Get rid of the access point that the devil has in your life. Come to Jesus today. If you're here and you say, Jonathan, that's me. I need to give my life to the Lord. I don't want to be miserable anymore. 
Medications aren't helping. The things I've used for solutions are not providing a solution. I want to receive Jesus Christ. I want to save myself from this wicked generation and come into heaven while there's time. If you need to do that, I want you to put your hand up high, very high, and wave it at me right now. I see your hand. Keep it up. I see your hands. Very quickly, everyone that lifted a hand, stand up from your seat and come and join us. We're going to pray right now. Come up. Come up and let me pray for you. Come right now. Come right now. Come right now. Right now, this is your day. Come right to me, right in the center. God bless you. Keep coming. There's a better way. Amen, Detroit. following me for five years? How'd you find me in Detroit? You too. I'm glad. What's your background, nationality? Albania. Should have guessed it because that's what I thought. You love my boldness and fearlessness. That's because that's resident in Albania. That's right. That's what we need. Lift your hands up, up, up across the front. I want you to pray this prayer from the bottom of your heart with everything that's in you. Say this, Heavenly Father. Say it out loud. Heavenly Father. I turn my back on sin. I repent. I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord and my Savior. Right now, I receive forgiveness. By the blood of Jesus, I am saved. I am forgiven. I am clean. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me pray for you. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Everything you battled before today, you won't battle it anymore. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now that God's given you this second chance, God's going to help you. He's going to make you see to it that you fly. The things you used to get tripped up in, you'll never get tripped up in them again. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, I bless you. I thank you, Lord. I give you praise. In Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to the family of God. Your sins are all forgiven, and you're welcome here. I'm glad you're here. I'm, let me give you a gift from the church. See, Pastor Augustine? He's with me. See these ladies that have Bibles and stuff? I'm going to give you a Bible and a gift from the church before we send you back to your seat. Go right that way, and I'll have you go right back. Give them a big hand clap. Now, lift your hands right in your seat. If you came for prayer, I'm going to pray right now, and God's going to touch you all across this place with every hand lifted, everybody that came long distances, everybody that came locally. I bless you in the name of Jesus as you engage to fulfill the Great Commission. May the blessing of the Lord overtake every part of your being. In Jesus' name, I command your family to be blessed. I command everything that pertains to you to be blessed. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. We give you all the praise, O oh Lord, all the honor and all the glory. In Jesus' name, if you receive it, shout a living amen. Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. 
If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.